0: Welcome back to the Short Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Maiden, and this is the third episode of the second season on the 8th of March in 2021. First of all, I want to say happy birthday to my cousin Brent and to my friend Brooke. You guys are all awesome people. There are a lot of March birthdays this month that I know of, my cousins and I, and myself. I have my birthday this month as well, St. Patrick's Day, which is uh, interesting because it's a green holiday. Yeah, that's not my favorite color. Anyways, today we're going to start out with this thing called StoryCorps. Where this website, they have these true stories of people that are doing things to help each other. Or just stories that are true that are probably touching people's lives. But today it's going to be called Remembering DJ Simmons' Officer Injured During Capture of Boston Marathon Bombers. It starts saying that on April 15th in 2013, two explosives near the finish line of the Boston Marathon detonated within seconds of each other, killing three people and injuring over 200 others. In the days following the attack, a massive manhunt took place. Four days later, police confronted the bombers on a suburban street in nearby Watertown, Massachusetts. Boston police officer DJ Simmons was one of the officers who arrived on the scene. He was injured by a homemade bomb the Sarnev brothers threw at police. Simmons' injuries led to death almost a year later. At StoryCorps, his parents Roxanne and Dennis Simmons sat down to remember their son. And then it shows this picture of this police officer looking very serious and him with his family. And there's this video of his parent I'm pretty sure they're his parents has just said that they're gonna talk about his experience with those bombs.
1: On April 15th, 2013, two bombs exploded near the finish line of the Boston Marathon, killing three and injuring over 200 people. In the days following the attack, a massive manhunt took place, and four days later, the police confronted the bombers on a suburban street in nearby Watertown.
0: This is interesting about this bombing. I actually didn't know about this. I don't know if you guys did, but it sounds like it could be a big deal, I mean.
1: Boston police officer D.J. Simmons was one of the officers who arrived on the scene, and he was injured by a homemade bomb the Sarniav brothers threw at police. Simmons' injuries led to his death almost a year later. And at StoryCorps, his parents Roxanne and Dennis Simmons sat down to remember their son. The day he was born, D.J. came out with shoulders of a linebacker.
2: He was the first baby I saw that had muscles. He wasn't really afraid of anything. You know, like ten thirty, he would literally take the dog outside and walk around the whole house. Make sure there's nobody on the grounds. Just...
0: Sounds like he was like a poli- He was already a police officer, basically, just in his house. You know, if you were younger, you might play fake police officer.
2: Say, DJ, where are you going? It's late. He would say, "I'm doing a perimeter search, Dad." So when he told us he was going into the police department, I wasn't really surprised. You know. With the kids, I have this thing that I have to talk to them every day. But after the bombing, he called me and he said, Ma, I'm not going to be able to talk to you all the time right now. Right. They were on a major league manhunt throughout Boston. And DJ and his partners were able to corner the brothers, and they were some of the first ones on scene. They showed a clip on the television, and somebody was yelling. You guys got rifles? I turned to you, and I said... That voice sounds familiar. It was instantly sent chills up to my back because I heard his voice. The bombs landed close to DJ and knocked him off his feet. We knew he had a concussion, but he said he was fine. But we knew something was a little different. Yeah, he was quiet. He said when he closed his eyes, he would see the bombs.
0: I think it's actually really interesting. Like, I know somebody... in. Like, if you're in the military or, for for example, like the police force um, or air force or whatever it is, you can get traumatized. Like, you can have flashbacks when you're, or, like, really bad headaches if you're, were in something like that. And I think that's what happened to him where he had those uh, bombs almost kill him at the time, even though he died later, sadly. That was just... Very interesting to make note of.
2: I will never forget the day he came downstairs. I was in my bedroom, and he stood at the door and said, I'm afraid of the dark.
0: I, I think that's really interesting. I mean, at first, it's talking about the parents are like, oh, he was sur- like surrounding the perimeter, seeing if anything was going on. He was such a brave, buff, like police officer guy, and now... He is scared of the dark. And I just thought that was really interesting. You know what to say. His eyes looked like,
2: almost like a kid again. That was the only vulnerability that DJ ever showed. He died a year later. He had a brain aneurysm at that point. He used to lay on my lap, and I used to rub his head. I miss that. I miss dialing his phone number, 781-510-6533. I miss dialing that every day. I've loved him since the moment I saw him as a little baby linebacker. and I love him more and more every day.
1: Roxanne and Dennis Simmons, remembering their son, police officer DJ Simmons, who died because of injuries sustained confronting the Boston Marathon bombers. He was 28.
0: 28. That is really young. I mean, in the picture, he looks around 30-something, but that's really young for a person to die, and that's really sad. Now that I think about it, I feel like there was this marathon... Where some people got hurt. This must have been that marathon. The Boston Marathon. That was just so interesting. Right now, we are going to be looking at this story bird. Story by this art- author, actually. <laughs> there is an artist, but there is an author. Uh, Life's Numbers 12965. They made this... But called The Socializing Game. I I do not remember exactly why I chose this one. I thought I did something different. But that's totally fine. Uh, that was an awesome story about that guy that he was... I mean, he was, like, super brave. And then he turned kind of scared. Which there's always a reminder that you should know where you're at in life. And I just... That was very... Like, awesome. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This author wrote The Socializing Game, and we're just going to read the first chapter. Adventure Camp. It had been a week since the last time I saw my family, and the more days that lagged on, the more I wanted to see them again. They left me at this place, a place they called fun and memorable they were right about one of those, but wasn't memorable in the way they were thinking. Instead, it was a torture game of socializing, which I always seemed to lose at in any situation. I wasn't the friendliest of people, but I always chose to be that way. So then, I could wiggle my way out of social situations like that. Except my parents found another way. They signed me up for a four-week summer camp in the middle of the Rocky Mountains. At first, I laughed at them and told them to stop teasing me, but the more they talked about it, the more I soon realized that I would indeed be going to the summer camp. I would hitch a ride onto a plane to Colorado and then take a public bus all the way up into the mountains where the camp was located. I would stay there for a total of four weeks and then ride back down and fly home on another plane. Oh, and did I mention I would be doing this all alone? The wind chilled my bones, freezing my skin that was visible in the imitating, intimidating wind that wailed around me. The other kids around me didn't seem to mind the freezing temperature of the wind that tried to knock them over every second. I clutched myself, my arms tightly wrapped around me, hoping to ease my violent shivers. I stood at the edge of the trail keeping to myself as the other chipper kids laughed and talked about their home, life, and schools. They were all from Colorado except for me. I was from Cannon Beach, Oregon, on the coast of the Pacific Ocean, where it was always foggy and quite chilly, but that was nothing compared to the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. Even though it was in the, middle, in the middle of June, the temperatures still crept under 40 degrees at night and wouldn't pass 70 during the days. The altitude didn't help at all, so my every breath was like trying to pull up a boulder to the top of a cliff every time we started to hike. I left my windbreaker back in my other backpack, which was located back in the small cabin of the main center of the camp. That was miles back, and I wouldn't reach it, though I was downhill, even if I tried. We had two counselors, one a boy and one a girl. One was Nikki, and the other was Gabe. Nikki watched over the girls' side, and Gabe watched over the boys' side of the group. In total, there were 18 people, so 9 girls and boys. I was enlisted in the adventure camp for 4 weeks, so I would be with those other 17 idiots for 4 weeks. Lucky me. They were all idiots, who all cared about themselves and the weird things they do at school with their friends. The adventure camp, which I was a part of, consisted of ages 13 through 17, so there was a tremendous gap between the ages. I, on the other hand, was 14. I was the second youngest out of everyone, and I was supposed to be the most innocent to the rest of the group. That always bothered me when someone would call me innocent. It boiled all the emotions inside of me, making them bubble up and burn any respect I had for them. These times were no different, but I had learned to keep my cool from my parents who were divorced. Well, we know who's not going to do it, someone snickered, but from the voice, I could tell it was Jace. The rest of the group snickered around him, but I didn't care. I was gazing off into this distance, holding onto that small flame that promises me I would go home in under three weeks. I didn't want to face them in their judgmental faces and ideas. The people who ridiculed me for reading the four books I brought, and the people who laugh and tease me when I don't go first on daring adventures. Hey, it's okay. She can watch us instead of a girl I recognized to be Allie, Jace's best friend, on the girl's side, and his partner in crime. I silently hated both of them, but it wouldn't change the way they stabbed me in my confidence and pride. Yes, she could read elsewhere in silence. So then she would leave for a while, leaving the actual group to have fun while she goes around and sulks because she doesn't want to be here, a boy jeered, and I knew by this ignorance and crude attitude that it was none other than Jack. He had no end to his sour jokes and his crude attitude. He was also the one who came up with that rumor that my parents were rich and sent me off because I was being a spoiled brat. Oh, he was wrong, so wrong. My parents were anything but rich. I lived mostly with my mom in Cannon Beach, Oregon, in a small apartment that overlooked Haystack Rock on the beach. She was a nurse in one of the elementary schools nearby. My father, he lived in Portland, southeast of Cannon Beach. He lived in a condo with his new girlfriend, and he worked as a marketer. We had hiked for a couple of miles, and we finally reached our destination only ten minutes ago. We hiked to the summit of a mountain named Mount Fry. When I heard the name, I wanted to go to McDonald's, but sadly, the nearest one was over fifty miles away. Wow, over fifty miles away. McDonald's fries are really good, though. I will say that story was actually really good. I was thinking like, oh, it's just the kid goes to camp, but then is he's from Oregon? Actually, it's not a he. I keep thinking it's a he. It's a she. Uh this girl she is really shy, she's fourteen, a teenager. Uh is this is titled the socializing game, so she has to socialize when obviously she doesn't like to. But um it's like she has stereotypes for all the kids that oh this they're this person. But I guess nobody really likes her anyways and she thinks they're all idiots because <laughs> they they're not like her probably. Why? And I mean, I don't know about you guys but I've gone to like church camps, those are and I also went to like a young life camp, and uh the longest that I've ever stayed at one of those camps the young life camp was like seven days a whole week so i i mean it would be fun, I think to go for four weeks, but I mean, for somebody that doesn't socialize too much, that's kind of i mean it's good for them to get out more but it's also kind of like you would probably feel like you're bad like in a bad spot in your life but uh i thought it was interesting how they were from oregon because i'm from oregon and they started talking about haystack rock in portland and i just uh Cannon beach is like a couple hours from like where i live uh the beach is uh a wa- a ways away but I will say, in Oregon, it is really cold at the beach. Like, even if it's sunny, then, like, even the most sunniest day probably isn't gonna be 90 degrees like you would at, what, like, a California or whatever, Mexico Beach, (laughs) um, or in another country. It's really, it's rainy over here. I live more close to Portland like this girl's father does. But not in Portland. I wouldn't want to live like over there because it's like some, I mean, some parts of Portland are probably fine, but like downtown is kind of uh, the place you do not want to be, obviously. If you were over where I am, you would know. We're going to listen to our sponsors and be right back, okay? Welcome back from that sponsored segment. Okay, we're going to be doing one last segment, and instead of having a featured guest, which can make it, we, I did get a, um, together with my sister, Scarlett, and we wrote that we've been writing this story, um, so I wrote the first sentence, and then she wrote the second sentence, and it went, oh, like, every other person, like, she wrote one, I wrote one, and... It's just such an interesting story. It's kind of funny, silly. But we've written up to um, the really short chapters. But uh, we're in the middle of the third chapter right now. And I just want to share this with you guys, even though she's not here. Scarlett. she's so funny and amazing. And she's also good at her story ideas and writing. Maybe I'll bring her on here sometime. But I'm going to start reading it. We actually don't have a title for this, but if you have any title ideas, please send me via email at osubeavergirl21 at gmail.com or on my Instagram at shortstoriespodcast. Please message me your ideas for this title. Otherwise, we're just going to make something of hopefully this good. So, the first chapter, chapter one Travis, I shouted get down here right now, your food is getting cold. Travis raced down the staircase of 200 steps, trying not to slip on the fresh polish of the wood that his mother's maid had worked so hard on the previous day before. As he ran down the stairs, he was almost there when he slipped on a part of the step that was a little too polished and face planted right at the bottom. As Travis groaned to stand at the bottom of the staircase, he made his way over to the grand dining room of his family's mansion, twenty seats in all of this ginormous table, and he chose to sit at the very end, as well as I did, being his sister. On his way down to on his way to sit down, I could see him limping and trying to conceal his pain from the faceplant and leg in those big watery blue eyes of his. What's the matter? Did you feel belly flop onto the ground? I said. I asked, chuckling quietly to myself. When there was no response from him, I knew at that moment that he was really hurting and that he might need to go to the hospital, but I waited a little longer to see how bad it really was. I asked him how he was feeling, and he looked at my green eyes, telling me that he was doing better after that 20-minute breakfast. I didn't know if I could believe him or not. I asked him if he wanted to go on a walk or something because there was nothing to do even though we lived in a huge mansion. Oh no, it's boring here. Oh, maybe we could check out that creepy mansion next to the door with the old witch living there, Travis exclaimed jokingly. Um, I said you could hear the quiver in my voice. Okay, if you say so. Oh, I was kind of joking, but okay, let's do what you say, big sis. As we walked into the old haunted mansion, the floor creaked, and when we walked a few steps in, the wood floorboard in front of us cracked. That was the first chapter. I hope you guys really liked that. Chapter 2 Maybe you shouldn't have suggested sneaking into this ancient bathroom, I exclaimed angrily. You were the one who said yes to the idea. We walked around the smelly mansion in silence for a while after that. As we spent our time longer and longer in there, we got used to the smell. After 20 minutes of browsing the house, we were suspicious of the owner who lived there. We looked around, searching to clues when we stopped at a plant vase, that we lifted up and found a key underneath. We knew something was up. Hey, witch lady, come out! We found your magical key! Travis shouted. Shh! I whispered, knowing how stupid it was to yell like that when we could get ex- yet explore and find out what she was hiding. We heard her door open and slam hard from the upstairs to a part that we hadn't yet explored. We quickly and quietly looked around for a place to hide when we finally stopped at a door and crammed in there. The key, Travis whispered. Do you have the key? I whispered no, and we both looked over to where the key was where we last saw it. We cracked the door open slightly, and when we didn't hear anyone, I whispered to Travis, I'll get it. I crawled slowly and quietly to the plant base and lifted it up, grabbing the key quickly. I crawled back over, making it safely to the door. Someone slowly strolled down the creaky steps in the sound of woman's heels. Click, clack, creak. Click, clack, creak. The sound echoed throughout the house. We remained completely still, silent, and barely breathing. As we heard her slowly walk back up the stairs and shut the door, we cracked the door open to see that there was no one there and quietly walked out of the closet. I think she's gone, the witch lady, Travis whispered. Yeah, I replied signaling to go forward as we searched for a lock for the key. We scrayed silently around the house together, each taking turns on trying the key doors to doors and a few metal locks. After about 45 minutes later of searching for a lock, we couldn't find one. So we decided to take a break and come back the next day because it was getting late. Our parents didn't care where we went since we were, they were always working and having lots of fancy adult parties without us. We were trying to make it back quickly to our house, and on our way out, we tripped over some rats that ran in front of us, causing us to stumble to the front door. As we opened the front door, we heard a woman, sounding like she had throat issues, <laughs> groan and yell, who's there? Her scratchy throat made her voice sound horrible, and we ran out of the house as quickly as possible, making it home safely. That's the end of the second chapter, chapter three. The next day, Travis and I woke up and ate a quick breakfast, natural raisin bran since our parents were health freaks. We went to our rooms and packed stuff that we might need for exploring around that old haunted house. As we carefully rushed down the staircase, due to Travis's incident down the stairs previously, we raced out to the front two double doors of our mansion. Hold it right there, my mom and dad called from the living room. We froze and slowly turned around, surprised that they were still home. Where are you two going? My mom said with her hands on her hips. Just heading over the forest with Julianne and Curb, I lied, feeling bad that I did so, using our friends as an excuse. Okay, then, my parents said with curiosity in their voices. But be back before three o'clock. Okay, we will. Have fun at work, you two, Travis waved back. And that's the end of how far we've gone on our story. That was um some of chapter three since we haven't finished that chapter yet. Hope you guys like it. Um, I don't know what I call it, but yeah, I think it's really interesting, kind of funny, because the brother and sister are both like the sister is kind of more like a mom since so the mom she's not there that much. But their mom is still concerned about what they're doing. They just don't know it. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Short Stories Podcast. I'll see you guys next week. Listening, Listen on in to episode four next week. And it's going to be so interesting. Because if you didn't know this, I'm in school right now. I mean, I am still in high school. Uh, but we have been doing this thing called hybrid learning. And it's really annoying because we can't go back to school, but we are going back to school. Was it next week? We are going back to school, but we can only go two to three days a week. The rest is just online Zoom school. I hope that that turns out well because, I mean, as far as I know, we have to wear masks and we can't even like socialize with our friends, but I think it's ridiculous. It's like they don't want us to have a social life and they want us isolated. Probably not all the teachers, but I mean, possibly the school board. But anyways, thanks for listening. Email me at osubeavergirl 21 at gmail.com if you have any questions or titles. And I am going to be uploading a website soon so you guys can contact me there as well. Just on About Me and this podcast and you can also find your uh, you can also listen to this podcast on anchor on spotify on google podcasts there's so many whatever podcast network basically um yeah see you guys next week make sure to tune in adios